This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Football is back. Get excited, guys. So last night, we wrapped up the first slate of games for Thursday night football, preseason week one. And let me tell you, I felt really funny, but I am so excited that football is back. So excited. I'm sitting up there at the local bar. Bar's full. As you look down, you see a bunch of people rooting for teams, watching the games, drinking beers. And there I am with a laptop in front of me, a notebook with a pen, just writing stuff down. And I had to look like the biggest nerd in that whole entire bar. Let me tell you, that's how much I care about football. I love it, love fantasy, and I'm so excited for this 2019 season to take off. I'm also excited to build up this podcast and create a family. I just cannot wait Cannot wait for this thing just to take off and skyrocket. I'm really excited, guys. Thanks for all your support, and let's get this episode started. Now, everybody always has questions about the rookies. Which ones are going to make splashes? Which ones you got to look out for late season or throughout the season? So what I'm going to cover today is I'm going to go over rookies, where they sit right now with training camp coming to a close, and where their average draft position is. And then the rookies that actually have a chance at improving their draft position because of the preseason. If they make the right plays, if they get the opportunity to show off, which players are going to jump up and be significant risers in their rookie average draft position. Players like last year with Royce Freeman jumping up six to eight spots, or Kerryon Johnson jumping up, even Ronald Jones, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Miller, all those guys had the right opportunities or they showed off during preseason, which increased their, their rookie average draft position. I'm also going to talk about some of the fallers, like how Calvin Ridley dropped four spots or so. Darius Geis went down a few spots because of his ACL. Or James Washington, who just didn't necessarily get the opportunity. So which players are going to jump and rise between training camp and about the third, maybe fourth week of preseason? My first one up on the board is going to be one of my favorite players. And although I don't think he's going to rise as much as some of the other guys we're going to take, it's still a guy that I believe could be top five. And that's going to be Paris Campbell. He's going to get all the opportunity. The coach is already raving about how he's making professional NFL player type plays and not just gadget plays. He's only 22 years old and he's a huge playmaker. Listen, when you talk about his measurables... He ran a 4-3-1-40, which is top percentage of the league. He had an insane speed score overall between cone drills, etc. And he's going to be 
Luck's pretty much release valve, his go-to target in the short yardage. Who do you think is going to end up getting the screen pass when they're sitting there third and 20s? Who do you think is going to get that opportunity to make the big plays when they need him? It's going to be Paris Campbell 100%. He is my number one riser. I think that he can end up being a top five rookie pick this upcoming year, and I'm not sleeping on him. He's going to be around forever. Andrew Luck's young, great offensive line. Paris Campbell, for me, is a lock in the top five. And I could even see some situations where if I don't have the wide receiver depth, that I could be taking him top three. My next guy is going to be Keyshawn Johnson. And he's going to be one of my biggest risers because he's getting drafted number 48 overall in rookie drafts. That's going to be the back end of the fourth round, which typically is your taxi squad. Now, Keyshawn Johnson, if you don't know, plays for Arizona. He got drafted in the sixth round. He's almost 23. The thing is, is he's actually beating out Andy Isabella and Akeem Butler, who were both drafted before him. Right now on the depth chart, Keyshawn Johnson is number three. Not Andy Isabella, not Hakeem Butler. Now, I don't think in standard leagues, Keyshawn Johnson is going to be very viable as a starting option just because of the fact that it, the targets aren't going to get spread around. But if Keyshawn Johnson is coming out and making these plays and showing that he is a baller and he does lock down that number three spot ahead of those guys, he could end up being, when Larry Fitzgerald leaves, it could be him and Christian Kirk, number one and number two, on that team. So if you're in a dynasty league, I could see you going after Keyshawn Johnson in the 12 to 15 range. That might be a little bit of a reach, just because I don't know if everybody else knows about him. But he is definitely a second round pick for me, no doubt. My next guy, and this is one of my, my favorite picks in the whole entire draft right now, is going to be Justice Hill, who is only 21. He's almost 22. His best comparable player is Reggie Bush. He is a Reggie Bush type player. He's going to be playing behind Mark Ingram in Baltimore. Now, did we see something like this happen before? I think in New Orleans, right? The thing is, is Baltimore wanted to add a ton of talent and a ton of speed to their offense. That's why they picked players like Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown. Justice Hill ran a 4-4-40, which is in the top percentage of the league once again. He had an insane speed score, and his burst score is just insane off the charts. Top 95%. Justice Hill is going to be the next Alvin Kamara. I think he has the talent, he has the ability, and I think that he's going to be a steal in a lot of drafts. Right now, he's going 23rd overall, the back half of the second round. He's a top 12 guy for me, every time. If he's there in the second round, and I don't have an early second round pick, I'm doing whatever it takes to trade up and grab that guy. I would consider him in the top 10, potentially, for me. I think that Justice Hill is going to be the biggest steal in the draft this upcoming year when it comes to long-term viability. Now, he might not take off in his rookie season and put up ginormous stats. He still could have weeks where he's extremely, extremely valuable. We just have to see the opportunity that they're willing to give him. And that comes in the preseason. So keep an eye on Justice Hill. Make sure that if he is a free agent on your wires, that you grab him up. And he could be a late-round flyer in even a standard league. You're going to see how they're going to use him by week one or week two. So if he doesn't end up showing up, like I'm saying he's going to, for a standard league, you can end up dropping him. No big deal. You just missed two weeks. But just keep an eye on him and watch him closely when it comes to touches and snap percentage in those first couple weeks before you just drop him. He has the talent and the ability. Now we'll just see about the opportunity. Now there are a few other names that I would just want to mention or go over uh, for you guys. And I'm not going to dive too much into depth like I did with those three. One of them is going to be Miles Boykin, who we kind of talked about a little bit. He has excellent measurables, and the Ravens are raving about him in camp. 
<laughs> no pun intended. He's actually, they're saying that he's the starting wide receiver right now. He's the best wide receiver out in the field. We'll see if that translates into snaps on the field throughout the preseason. Jalen Hurd, who is a prototypical wide receiver one, which we all know Shanahan loves to have. We just have to see if Shanahan actually believes in Jalen Hurd being the one. But he has the opportunity to step into that role. Dante Pettis in the slot, possibly, with Jalen Hurd on the outside. We know that those two are probably going to be the two running in two sets. We just have to see that if they go to a three-wide receiver set, if Pettis stays in the slot, and Jalen Hurd on that side, what's going to happen with Debo Samuel? Or are they going to have somebody like Kendrick Bourne, who has been lighting up camp so far, be that wide receiver one? So once again, just monitor the preseason, and monitor especially that third game, the snaps of the starters. Next guy is going to be Dwayne Haskins, if he wins a starting job. Um, right now he's going as the 31 overall drafted player. Obviously, if he wins that starting job, He'll end up going a little bit higher. I would end up taking him first part of the third round, mid-second, somewhere in that range. There's just not a lot of guaranteed talent in this year's rookie draft past the first round, I would say the first 14 picks or so. And Dwayne Haskins, you know, will get the opportunity. Now, this is the thing with Dwayne Haskins. He could have a huge future with the Redskins. We just have to see what direction the franchise decides to take. But obviously, with having a young quarterback, they're going to get somebody that is offensive-minded. Well, at least that's the mindset when you do have a young quarterback like that. Next up is going to be his teammate, Terry McLaurin. He could be the Redskins' number one wide receiver. His measurables are off the charts. He's extremely speedy. He could stretch out the field. His routes are on point. But they're saying that 9 out of 10 times that Dwayne Haskins is in the pocket throwing, he's throwing to Terry McLaurin. That college chemistry could end up paying off in a big way. When it comes to sleeper appeal for Terry McLaurin, right now he's going 22nd overall. I could see him in the top 18, so jump him up a few spots. But when it comes to potential upside, if you just if you have a solid team and you just want to take a shot at a potential ceiling, Terry McLaurin is the perfect opportunity to do that. Talk about a potential starting number one wide receiver that you're getting in your rookie draft in the second round. That just doesn't happen very often. Next up is going to be Tony Pollard. Uh, just keeping on Zeke in that situation, uh, Tony Pollard is typically going to handle the passing down back role. So this is mainly for PPR leagues. But he's going 40th overall. He's not even being drafted in the first three rounds of rookie drafts. Even in standard leagues, if Zeke does not show up, Tony Pollard could end up being a viable option in PPR leagues. Just keep an eye on that Zeke situation. I think it's going to end up resolving itself. Although the Cowboys are steady and ready to hand off work to Alfred Morris. Mike Weber, and Tony Pollard. So just keep an eye on that situation. I'm just going to finish up with these last two guys. My next guy is going to be Jeremy Cox playing for the San Diego Chargers. It was kind of insane how much offensive firepower ODU had. They probably had more firepower than any other team that you haven't heard of. They have three players that are all on NFL teams right now. But my favorite one is Jeremy Cox, who had insane workout metrics. But he has a starting running back build. The guy's a tank. He could end up being a very, very significant part of this offense. Maybe somebody that gets the goal line work. Because you know that Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson aren't that stereotypical type of running back. Jeremy Cox has the measurables and has the size to be able to be that role. Keep an eye on Jeremy Cox for the Chargers if Melvin Gordon does not end up coming back. Alex Barnes is going to be my last guy. This guy's six foot, 226. He is built like Zach Zenner. 
and he's just a machine. Yet he's not going to win you any kind of like crazy leagues, and I doubt he's going to put up tremendous points in his first year or second year. But this guy is one of those guys you take a shot on in the third round, and when they realize that they might not have what they thought in Derrick Henry, or Derrick Henry's ankles start acting up, or anything along those lines, they're going to leave Deion Lewis as that change of pace back, and Alex Barnes is going to come in and take that role. Now, the only obstacle that I see ahead of him is Jeremy McNichols. Jeremy McNichols is a machine. So if they're looking for big play potential, they're going to go Jeremy McNichols. But that's not who the Titans are. The Titans are that grind them out type of running team that wants to run between the tackles. I think that Alex Barnes is a huge sleeper at the tail end of the third round, if not a undrafted free agent that you can grab up off waiver wires if you have somebody like Derrick Henry. Just keep an eye on Alex Barnes for that potential. XFL matchups are in the books. I'm just kidding, guys. This is week one of the preseason. A lot of fun. A lot of interesting things happen. Just going to hit on a few different things. We're going to go game by game and just talk about what I noticed between certain matchups, who started on a few different instances, and who really stood out. So we're going to start out with the Jets versus the Giants. The Giants, there are four quarterbacks there um, that played in this game, and the worst one out of all of them was Eli Manning who, granted, only played one series, and it was against the first-team defense. However, he went one-for-one for, one for three yards. Daniel Jones actually looked impressive, and I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. I don't see him being the franchise quarterback that everybody else sees, I guess, in New York. However, he might start to sway me if he has another few games like he put together for this one. Five-for-five, five, 67 yards, and an impressive thread-in-the-needle touchdown. He looks good. He was able to escape pressure, and overall, he looked like an NFL quarterback. Kyle Laluletta ended up putting together a pretty impressive one himself, going 9 for 12 for 116 yards and a touchdown. And Alex Tanney, with a few gorgeous downfield throws, 14 for 19 for 190 yards and a touchdown. This all was being done, guys, without an offensive line. The Giants' offensive line looked brutal. Whether it was the starters or the backups, they have no depth there. So if the Giants offensive line, which isn't going to be impressive as it is, ends up getting hurt, Giants are screwed. They're not going to be able to keep their quarterbacks upright, especially in the NFC East, where they have decent defensive lines all the way across the front. Giants are going to be in for a rude awakening, and I think their quarterbacks are going to mainly be spending most of their time on their back instead of throwing the football. With that being said, I'm going to pop back over to Daniel Jones because there was something that I was talking about, how great Eli was at dumping off to the running back last year. Eli was, I believe he was... Definitely in the top three of quarterbacks throwing to the running back. Let me just read this off to you guys for the drive that uh, Daniel Jones played, where it went five for five. Pass to Corey Latimer. Pass to Golden Tate. Pass to Corey Latimer. Pass to Benny Fowler. And then touchdown pass to Benny Fowler. I don't even think he looked at a running back. Now, that could all change with Sparkley obviously being the number one target and the receiver depth not being there for the Giants. But if Daniel Jones ends up stepping in, I could see a significant decrease in fantasy points for Saquon Barkley this year. This is what I was referencing to in my podcast earlier in the offseason. 
is the fact that if Daniel Jones steps in, that is a huge hit to Saquon Barkley, and that could be the reason why Saquon busts. It's a very, very real possibility. So just as a note as well, Wayne Gallman got this start over Paul Perkins and over Rod Smith. I know that's not that significant, but Rod Smith only looked impressive on a play or two. He only ran for two yards. Once again, that offensive line is terrible, so I don't blame it on him. But if anything were to happen to Saquon Barkley, Gallman might be the guy to own at this point, or at least that's the Giants' belief. And then Latimer got the start, but Latimer was actually getting open a lot. And they're going to need Benny Fowler and Latimer to really step it up, especially over the first few weeks of the season. If the Giants have any chance at winning, those guys might be streamable depending on matchups. Or if you're going to play daily fantasy and you just need one random guy to stand out from everybody else, Latimer or Fowler, just check the matchups, could be relevant to that point. Now over to the Jets. Sam Darnold, once again, looked impressive. He looked like he was really maturing, able to move around the pocket, escape pressure. He went four for five for 68 yards and a touchdown. Trevor Simeon actually took over the, uh, the backup role for Sam Darnold, which is also good to note. However, I don't think he has any kind of real fantasy relevance. But if Sam Darnold did go down, you have Sam Darnold, Trevor Simeon would be the backup. He actually looked okay. He looked pretty good. 13 for 16 for 77 yards and a touchdown. And that's his MO is being a game manager, which is why I don't think he's fantasy relevant. The next backup, Davis Webb, looked absolutely horrible. Two for seven for 11 yards and two interceptions. There's a very, very big likelihood that neither Luke Falk or Davis Webb make the roster, but Luke Falk actually looked pretty good. So he is able to go to their practice squad. He was nine for 11 for 69 yards and a touchdown. Not too bad for your young, a young quarterback. But obviously, there's no fantasy relevance with that. Elijah McGuire got the start uh, for the running back situation, but he looked extremely, extremely unimpressive outside of the receiving game. Nowhere to really run to, but he, he ran for six. He had six carries for 13 yards. And then six receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown, although he did lead, lead the team in receiving. They spread it around a lot this game. Jamison Crowder looked really, really good with Sam Darnold. I believe they were both on the same page. They showed a lot of chemistry. And Sam Darnold definitely looked his way multiple times. I don't know if that was by play design or if that's just because he was wide open on both those receptions. Jamison Crowder could be a steal of the draft as a late round flyer. He's definitely one of those guys that I've been keeping my eye on, especially with ADP and pretty much ending up undrafted in a lot of leagues that I've seen. So he's definitely worth a stash in Dynasty and then a potential late round flyer in standard leagues. If he goes back to his form that he had with the Redskins, he has extreme fantasy relevance. And he could finish up as a wide receiver two, or worst case scenario, wide receiver three, if he gets those targets. He can make plays. He has that ability. Let's just see if they give him the opportunity. Outside of that, there's really nobody else worth mentioning. But that caps off the Jets versus the Giants. So now we're in the Colts versus the Bills. And this had a lot of intriguing different angles to this matchup that I wanted to check out, such as how Jacoby Brissett looks because Andrew Luck is dealing with an injury. However, I do believe Andrew Luck will be there for week one. The type of injury that Andrew Luck has, the, the strain, those things don't really go away. They kind of linger. So I wanted to see how Jacoby Brissett looked. And honestly, he looked a little bit unimpressive, going two for five for 21 yards. However, you know who really did impress me was Chad Kelly, who... If you listen to the last podcast, Adam Bernstein came on and talked about how Chad Kelly was like a god for a lot of Denver fans, and he really believed in him. He just could not stay out of trouble. So if Chad Kelly comes in and he is able to produce over these next few preseason games, the Colts can have a solid backup to Andrew Luck. 
and a potential trade piece later on down the road. I'm rooting for Chad Kelly. I can see the talent there. He has legs on him. He has an arm on him. And he made great decisions, at least on the football field. He went 13 for 19 for 121 yards and then rushed four times for 53 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty impressive overall. I really like the direction that Chad Kelly's going. Hopefully he can just stay out of trouble. Jordan Wilkinson playing this game. Naeem Hines looked absolutely terrible, going six attempts for one yard. And then Deontay Foreman did not play this game, which we did not expect him to actually play. Outside of Chad Kelly, <laughs> there were no runners that actually did well for the Colts. Marlon Mack is gonna be the feature back. He is the number one back, and I don't really see too much work coming out or being taken away from him especially now that they have Paris Campbell to be the release valve. I don't even see Naeem Hines getting that many snaps. Now, one of the guys that I wanted to keep an eye on was the chemistry with Devin Funches, and it looked pretty good. Devin Funches was, uh, caught two out of three balls for 21 yards. I believe he only played in the first couple series, so he wasn't in the whole time. I really wanted to see how Moe Cox did. The guy's a mammoth. I believe he's 6'7 or 6'8. He's just a huge guy. And unfortunately, he did not make an impact on this game, only having one target and not catching it. However, I'm still going to keep an eye on him throughout the preseason to be a potential sleeper later on. So on the Bills side, we have Josh Allen coming out there. He had some great throws, but he had the same type of wow, I can't believe he just did that type throw that he had last year where he just has it sail over top of his receivers or just inaccurate. He went 6 for 11 for 66 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and he rushed once for 8 yards, which you never really want to see quarterbacks running when they're your starting quarterback in the preseason. However, hey, he rushed for 8 yards, he's healthy, we're good to go. So you had Matt Barkley, who was 9 for 14, 126 yards and a touchdown. He looked alright, he had some okay moments, wasn't exactly accurate, but he got the job done. 9 for 14, 126 yards and a touchdown is what you ask for if you're a backup quarterback. However, with Tyree Jackson, that's the player that I really wanted to watch in this game. He has a ton of potential. He's extremely raw. And I just wanted to see how his game was acclimating to the NFL, and it was not pretty. He went 2 for 10 for 45 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. This guy's going to take 2-3 to three years to develop. But if you're in a league that has taxi squads, this is a great guy to stash for future potential. If Josh Allen gets hurt, which happens with running quarterbacks, and he runs a hell of a lot, they're going to need somebody that fits in that system to take over, and he's almost a clone of Josh Allen. He's just a more raw version of it. There were two running backs that both went opposite directions, in my opinion, in this game. I think that Devin Singletary took a huge, huge leap forward. He did not have space to run, but he ran hard. He was breaking tackles left and right, and yeah, that doesn't translate to fantasy points all the time because he only had nine carries for 27 yards and no touchdowns. Averaged out three yards per carry. But those yards were hard-earned yards, and that could end up putting him ahead of McCoy or allowing McCoy to be expendable. And then Devin Singletary will actually take that lead back role with Frank Gore kind of playing the cancerous role that he played in Miami for Kenny Drake. Devin Singletary also had three receptions on three targets for 21 yards. So he did contribute in the passing game as well. I'm looking at Devin Singletary as a, as a potential breakout candidate that nobody's really talking about. I think a few people are going to see it throughout the preseason, so he is raising up draft boards, but just keep an eye out on that. If you see him at the tail end of your draft in the teen rounds, definitely snack him up because any starting running back that you get in those late rounds ends up being like a league winner, such as James Conner. Now, the guy that went the opposite way for me was TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon looked absolutely brutal out there. Uh, not only did he have a fumble, but he only ran the ball twice for eight yards. And then only had one reception for 10 yards. 
He's somebody that, that has to play his ass off in order to get a roster spot here. And it's not looking good for him. We'll see how he does in the second preseason game. Wide receiver-wise, I want to keep an eye on this Isaiah McKenzie kid. Uh, two receptions for 62 yards off two targets. So he's obviously a big play receiver. Zay Jones looked really good, although he didn't convert all of his targets into catches. That was definitely a knock on him throughout the whole season last year is his catch percentage. So I need to see that go up. Uh, Robert Foster also had a little bit of a tough night. Going one reception for 14 yards and off of four targets. And then Cole Beasley caught his lone target for 13 yards. Sean Brown, one catch, 10 yards on two targets. This wide receiver situation is still extremely cloudy. And it doesn't look like it's going to be clearing up anytime soon. We might have to wait for the season to see who actually comes out on top. But if I had to put my money on somebody, it's going to be Cole Beasley as being the PPR guy to own. And Zay Jones as being the upside guy to own that's going to get the touchdowns. Outside of that, no tight ends ended up making a name for themselves. So next up on this list is going to be the Eagles versus the Titans. And this one was interesting for me. I wanted to see what happened with uh, Marcus Mariota, how he looked. Honestly, it wasn't too promising. He went four for eight for only 24 yards. Just wasn't completing the passes, wasn't making the right reads. But the one that I actually believe is going to be the starter by the end of the season this year is Ryan Tannenhill. Man, did he look good. 12 for 16, 130 yards, two touchdowns. He was just on point, and I think that this is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league because of his injury history primarily. But don't forget, we talked about this before, he led the Dolphins all the way to the playoffs up until he got hurt. He had a great season, great record. The guy's a leader, and he knows how to win football games. I think that it's a mistake if the Titans do not give Ryan Tannehill a shot. Obviously, Marcus Mariota has not been healthy, and it shows. They need to make a change of quarterback if they're going to consider a serious run in the playoffs, and I think Tannehill provides that change. Now, third string, Logan Woodside ended up having a decent game as well. 14 for 19, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Honestly, I don't see any fantasy relevance there unless both players end up getting hurt because they are injury-prone. This guy that I'm about to talk about is a running back. He has played on five different teams since coming to the NFL. He got drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2017. They matched to San Francisco, Indianapolis, Denver Broncos, Tennessee Titans is where he is now. And this guy is a workout freak. His best comparable player is Melvin Gordon. He ran a 4.49.40, speed score, 120.9 burst score, and 11.21 agility score. What that means, essentially, is that he's in the top percentage of running backs when it comes to his physical attributes. I think that Tampa Bay made a huge mistake because Tampa Bay needs a running back right now. And they were the team that drafted him. But obviously there were some sort of concerns that made him bounce from team to team to team. But this guy last night ran eight times for 44 yards, which is averaging out five and a half yards per carry. And he just found all the holes. And he just found all the holes. And he just found all the holes. Every opportunity that he get, he pretty much did something with. However, he was not involved in the passing game, which is always going to be a concern when you're in a PPR, half-point PPR league. But this guy, he has a great preseason. He could end up emerging as a top-end option for Tennessee. And that is Jeremy McNichols. The one that I was really looking at was Alex Barnes, and he looked absolutely, absolutely terrible. He didn't really have space to run, but he also wasn't finding the right holes. He had 10 attempts for 14 yards. Alex Barnes just does not look like he's ready for the NFL. He looks like he's a little bit too big. 
He did have one catch for three yards, but honestly, he's either going to be a goal line back or bust. There's not too much opportunity there for Alex Barnes if he doesn't show out in these next two preseason games, so keep an eye on that. When it comes to wide receivers, Khalif Raymond, I believe is his name, six receptions on eight targets for 80 yards, so obviously he has the eye of the quarterbacks. I'm going to follow this guy and get a little bit more information for you before the next episode that we covered for the upcoming games. Cody Hollister was four receptions on five targets for 58 yards and a touchdown. So he looks like some, uh, some big play potential. Tywan Taylor, who they expect to start right now, he's the number three wide receiver on their depth chart. He went two catches on five targets for 16 yards, so obviously that's not very inspiring. I'm going to keep an eye on his situation as well. On to the Eagles. So we talked about Dan Marino last episode of the second coming of him, and that was Clayton Thorson who had a terrible game, two for nine for seven yards and an interception. Cody Kessler, three for six on 12 yards, obviously not impressive. The most impressive player for the Eagles in the quarterback room was Nate Sudfield. However, I believe he broke his hand or his wrist. He might be out for an extended amount of time. He went 10 for 18 for 177 yards and one touchdown. Obviously, if he is healthy, you're keeping an eye on him, or you're throwing him in some sort of situation if you do end up having Carson Wentz as your starting quarterback. Nate Sudfield has all the tools to be successful in the league. He just needed time to develop because he was extremely raw. But with this wide receiver core that they have there and the, the weapons that they have, Nate Sudfield, if something does happen to Carson Wentz, might be worth rostering. He's definitely going to be somebody that I'm playing in DFS leagues if he has any opportunity to take the field. Rushing-wise, this one didn't really uh, help adjust itself. I mean... The leading rusher here was 11 yards, um, which was a tie between Wendell Smallwood and Donald Pomfrey. Jordan Howard was 3 for 8 yards. He was the starter. Miles Sanders was 3 for 3 yards. Obviously, that's extremely terrible. Nobody had any touchdowns. It was a big disappointment with Philadelphia, who got blown out in this game. When it comes to receiving options, Mark Michelle ended up having one reception for 75 yards and a touchdown. Just a big play. Great catch. Great hands, great concentration. So that might be somebody we want to monitor, but it could just be a big play. I don't see him making the team. Dallas Goddard, who I love, three for 50 yards on five targets. I think he's worth rostering in a lot of leagues. I think he's still going to get play even if Zacherts is in the game. I think they're going to go to a lot of two receiver sets. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the rookie, was two for 23 yards on four targets. And Josh Adams was actually involved in the passing game. He uh, had three receptions on three targets for 18 yards. Outside of that, there's nothing really worth mentioning or noting. Uh, the Eagles were just terrible in this game. The, the two or three bright spots are just the receivers that I mentioned, especially now with Nate Sudfield getting injured. On to the Atlanta Falcons versus the Miami Dolphins. Atlanta Falcons starting quarterback was Matt Schaub. Obviously, we know the whole story with him. He's not going to be fantasy relevant um, unless, obviously, Matt Ryan gets hurt. But Matt Ryan's pretty solid overall. Doesn't really come out of the game for injuries. Worth mentioning, Matt Schaub was 12 for 19 on 172 yards. No touchdowns, but also no interceptions. Matt Sims was 8 for 17. He was the backup quarterback for 86 yards. Not fantasy relevant whatsoever. But the players we were watching this game were the, was the running back battle. Last week, Brian Hill just ran away with it. But honestly, it was against some third and fourth team guys that will never, ever play an actual down in the NFL. So I was extremely, extremely interested in the Ito Smith and Quadri Olison and seeing what they could do with this team. Brian Hill came out as the starter for the Atlanta Falcons, so that is worth noting. However, he was relatively unimpressive. 
He had eight attempts for 23 yards and one touchdown while also getting one catch for seven yards on one target. But then they brought in Ito Smith to eat up the goal line work on the first drive. I think that they were primarily using Ito Smith just on goal line work because he only had four attempts for seven yards and then one touchdown. So they were probably using for plunges, just giving it a test run. Quadre Olsen ended up coming in in the second half and being the starter for like that second, third team mix. He ended up with eight attempts for 41 yards and a touchdown. So he pretty much did what Brian Hill did the previous week against similar talent. This is a definitely a tight race for the role behind Devontae Freeman, which is a crucial role and could be extremely, extremely fantasy relevant. Make sure you guys are paying attention and tuning in. It could be a league winning role. Um, outside of that, uh, there's nothing really worth mentioning receiver-wise. It was spread out pretty evenly. No receiver had over three catches. However, we know who the starting three wide receivers are with Mohamed Sanu, Ridley, and Julio Jones. I don't think any of these players are going to end up overstepping one of those guys. So I don't see any real fantasy relevance in the wide receiver side. So now on to the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick was unimpressive to say the least. Two for five for 20 yards. No interceptions though. Honestly, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to need a lot more if he's going to consent. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to need a lot more if he continues to hold off Josh Rosen. We need to see a lot more from him. Josh Rosen, although his numbers show okay, Josh Rosen actually scared me a little bit. He was 13 for 20 for 191 yards with one interception. He really should have had probably two interceptions, maybe even three. But his guy, this guy Preston Williams, who we'll talk about in a second, actually saved him on more than one occasion, making extremely difficult catches and just showing to be a complete beast out there. Jake Rudolph was the third quarterback, throwing six for eight for 65 yards and one touchdown. The touchdown came on an easy outlet pass, although a little difficult. Still need to see a little bit more for him if he has any sort of potential, which I don't really believe he does. No fantasy relevance there for me when it comes to uh, Jason Rudolph. Now, rushing-wise, Kenny Drake, nothing impressive. Uh, four attempts for 12 yards. Three yards per carry. He is going to need to step it up big time if he's going to win more of a starting role. However, I'm still projecting them to be about 50-50 on carries. Kalen Blage came in, in the second series and sprinkled in throughout the rest of the first half. He ended up having six attempts for 23 yards on one touchdown and then did not catch either one of the balls he was targeted out of the backfield. Kalen Blage has a lot of upside. However, I need to see more from him, even though he was on the first series that he was in, was getting hit a lot in the backfield. That offensive line is going to be brutal. And in order for either one of these running backs to be fantasy relevant, they are going to need to show that they can get, that they can break that first tackle getting out of the backfield because their offensive line is not going to do it for them. The guy that I'm most interested in in the backfield, however, for dynasty purposes, is, was Miles Gaskin, who was six attempts, 13 yards, one touchdown. That's not impressive, but he did catch three balls for 19 yards. And the reason why I'm interested in him is because Kenny Drake, if he doesn't stick around, Kalen Balaj can actually go into that starting role. And then you'll end up having Miles Gaskin come in and be that third down back. It's very, very possible to see that next year in Miami. Now, the one that I'm extremely, extremely interested in is in the wide receiver corps. And the only guy that actually made a standout play for me that, that had me interested in all of the receivers, including tight ends in Miami, was Preston Williams. Complete monster, catching balls over top of guys. This guy is 6'4", 211 pounds. He caught four passes on five targets for 97 yards. Like I said, just making extremely acrobatic catches, saving Josh Rosen. This guy is somebody to keep an eye on. He was undrafted, but he had the talent to go early in the draft. He just kept on getting in trouble, so it didn't actually make him relevant for NFL teams. 
Miami took a shot at him. We'll see if he can come out and be that number one wide receiver that Miami has not had since Jarvis Landry. On to the Patriots versus Detroit. Extremely competitive game, guys. 31-3, New England. The guys that I'm actually interested in this one are pretty much all going to be on New England's side. Brian Hoyer started 12-14, 147 yards, two touchdowns. Which that's what you expect, being Tom Brady's number one backup. However, Jarrett Sidham, who was the rookie, was 14 for 24 for 179 yards, one touchdown. Showed a lot of touch, showed a lot of anticipation. This guy could end up being Tom Brady's backup in the future. I'm extremely interested to watch him over this next few weeks of the preseason. Oh, and don't forget, he also did have four attempts for 16 yards rushing. Once again, showing that he has the escapability out of the backfield. Running back-wise, Nick Brissett got the majority of the work. 22 attempts, which I believe is the most attempts I've seen from a running back so far in the preseason. 66 yards, one touchdown. I don't know if there's re relevance there. That remains to be seen. Damian Harris was out, so we got to see what happens with that as well. Now the receivers. Jacoby Myers, the undrafted rookie, who I believe is in a very similar situation to Preston Williams when it comes to being able to move up the Jeff chart. However, his climb is a little bit more clogged up because he does have Maurice Harris, Braxton Berrios, Nikhil Harry, Dontrell Inman. They're all in the way, but he is still showing out. He ended up coming up with six receptions on eight targets for 69 yards and two touchdowns. The guy could end up being a monster. Keep an eye on Jacoby Myers throughout the preseason. See if he can not only earn a starting role, but also move up the depth chart to be the number two wide receiver, which is taken up by Maurice Harris. Three receptions on five targets for 27 yards and a touchdown. Definitely didn't do anything to lose his job. Maurice Harris is a lock for me for that second wide receiver position just to start out the year. Nikhil Harry, two receptions, 36 yards on two targets. Acrobatic Back shoulder catches. This guy looked like the player that New England wanted. We'll see if he continues to do this. However, he did get injured on his last reception, so he's not going to be practicing this week. We'll see how he looks in the next few preseason games. But this guy needs to get, continue to get reps in this New England system to show that he can handle it and move his way up to the depth chart. I would love to see a depth chart here in two or three years with it being Jacoby Myers, Maurice Harris, and Nikhil Harry being the starting three and Jason Sidham being that quarterback. I'm investing in this team in dynasty formats all over the place. Detroit, Detroit, they honestly looked uh, pretty brutal out there. Uh, they ran a total of, I believe, 31 total offensive snaps. Tom Savage got hurt early. I believe he's out for at least the rest of the preseason. David Fales came in and looked terrible, 5 for 14 for 62 yards and interception. Now, the one thing that I was looking at, which is the one thing that I wanted to see prior to even you know knowing that what was going to happen with this game, was Ty Johnson, and I wanted to see how he was utilized. And I thought he was going to be utilized in a more traditional pass-catching role. However, he had three attempts for 22 yards, averaging 7.3 yards per carry, which is obviously impressive. But he only had one target out of the backfield, which he did not catch. I need to continue to monitor this situation to see if Ty Johnson is going to have any relevance or if he's going to affect on Johnson in any way. Obviously, seeing him get more rushes than passes, because then that means that on Johnson is going to retain his third down role, and Ty Johnson will just be a backup just in case. I am really hoping that that's the situation so that on Johnson can continue to move up boards. I love on Johnson this year. I think that he has a ton of upside, and he's moving up into my top 12 running backs this week. The two biggest disappointments, and I don't believe it's because of their play. I believe it's because of the quarterback play, 
were Jonathan Duhart and Travis Fulgham, the two rookies out of ODU. I really wanted to see what they were going to offer. However, nobody really made any significant moves. Jermaine Curse is now out for the year. Broken leg. Brandon Powell should be his replacement. We'll see what happens with that. Brandon Powell ended up having two receptions, 27 yards on two targets. Both Jonathan Duhart and Travis Fulgham did not catch any of their targets. Outside of that, there's nothing here worth mentioning. Now on to the Redskins versus the Browns. Obviously, I wasn't very proud of this game. However, it is what it is. Case Keenum got the start with Colt McCoy being the starter, not playing this game. Case Keenan did okay. Four for nine, 60 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, nothing to call home about. Dwayne Haskins came in and replaced him. And honestly, it wasn't as much Dwayne Haskins' fault as him just constantly being under pressure. Both him and Case Keenum were constantly put on their backs throughout the entire game. The Redskins' offensive line looks brutal right now. Obviously, they did play the Browns, who made a significant upgrades, and they were playing their asses off. So we'll see what happens with that. Dwayne Haskins next. And listen, Dwayne Haskins actually looked pretty good on a lot of plays. He made some incredible throws that were just on the money. I'm talking about starter, star-type throws, just threading the needle, making plays, escaping the pocket, reading the right coverages. However, he made two huge rookie mistakes. One of them, he ended up throwing right to a guy coming out of the backfield because he thought he was getting backside pressure. And he thought he had a limited amount of time. Instead of letting Marshall actually beat the linebacker with speed, he ended up getting away a little bit too soon without letting the play develop. The other play was just a bad decision thrown into almost triple coverage to a guy that was pretty much draped over his back as well. Even if he ended up not throwing an interception, there was no way that he was getting that ball in there. He needs to learn. He needs to develop. Dwayne Haskins is not going to be a fantasy starter this year. And if he is, it might be against extremely easy teams. 8 for 14, 117 yards on two interceptions. Running back-wise, Piran played a lot of plays but didn't show anything. I don't see Samaje Piran making the team this year. Six attempts on 13 yards. Byron Marshall, five attempts on 17 yards. Craig Reynolds, nine attempts, 21 yards. None of these guys are relevant for me. What I was watching was the wide receivers for the Redskins. I wanted to see Kelvin Harmon play well. I wanted to see Robert Davis. Robert Davis showed extreme promise on his uh, one reception. 46 yards, one touchdown. He has that downfield speed. If Paul Richardson does get hurt, he's gonna, Robert Davis is going to step into that role. And I could see a week-to-week -week basis where Robert Davis could be relevant. He might be worth a grab in Dynasty Leagues, but Standard Leagues, he's not draftable. Uh, I wanted to see Trey Quinn. He had one reception, one target, eight yards. I wanted to see more out of him. Didn't really show me anything. And then Kelvin Harmon, two receptions, 17 yards, three targets. I wanted to see a little bit more out of him as well. Darwin Kidsey, I, I, don't, I need to do a little bit more research on this kid. Five receptions, 86 yards, seven targets. I haven't even really heard his name come out too much in camp. So we'll see what happens with him as, this, as the preseason goes on. See if he actually can make the team. Outside of that for the Redskins, nothing really worth talking about. So we're going to move on to the Browns now. Um, the Browns ended up, Baker Mayfield came out on the money, looking every bit worth his draft stock. Keep an eye on Baker Mayfield and where he's being drafted because he might be underdrafted in some of these leagues that want to take people like Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, all the proven guys over top of Mayfield. He looks like a stud right now. Nobody really worth covering behind that. Um, Dontrell Hilliard played the most amount of snaps on the Browns running back side. Uh, nine attempts on 19 yards. Nick Chubb's one rush for 12 yards. Obviously averaging 12 yards per carry. Nick Chubb could end up being a 
extremely underdrafted prospect now that Duke Johnson is out of Cleveland. I'm looking big time at Nick Chubb. I need to see him involved in the passing game. He did get one reception on 14 yards on his one target. So if they start using him in the passing game, he could move into the first round for me. Probably one of the biggest risers for me this upcoming year. Wide receiver wise, I wanted to see the competition between Rashard Higgins and Callaway. I believe Callaway is still in the lead, but slightly. However, after this preseason game, I doubt that's going to be the case. Rashard Higgins, five receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. Callaway, who had three receptions on 42 yards on seven targets. Higgins continues to outproduce him time after time after time after reporters keep on telling us how great Callaway is. Rashard Higgins is just a baller. And he continues to produce every single time he's given the opportunity. Keep it going, Higgins. We'll see what happens this season. See if you can get the snaps to be relevant to be a fantasy option. But I'm definitely looking at some best ball leagues along with daily leagues. Dontrell Hilliard did play a big part in the passing game out of the backfield. Going three receptions on six targets for 34 yards. He's going to have to show a better catch percentage if he's going to want to win that third down roll. But I think it's going to belong to Nick Chubb. Browns just dominated the entire game. They're showing that they are a complete team and a force to be reckoned with. My only fear is the division that they play in. Are they going to be able to get the amount of snaps to have very many fantasy-relevant players outside of OBJ, Baker Mayfield, and Nick Chubb? And I honestly, I believe the biggest beneficiary of Duke Johnson leaving isn't Nick Chubb. It's actually going to be Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is now going to be that release valve that Baker Mayfield could rely on in this passing game so we'll see how Jarvis Landry looks in that third preseason game all right Jaguars versus Baltimore Jaguars look brutal obviously we're not going to cover a lot in here the only I'm going to go ahead and skip everybody the only person I really wanted to take a look at was Raquel Armstead wanted to see how he was doing he ended up playing all right against extremely stout Baltimore Ravens defense he ended up rushing eight attempts for 22 yards I need to see him to continue to progress in that in that rushing game in the passing game, he ended up having one reception on one target for six yards. The only guy that had any more than one target was going to be Trey McBride. It's not even worth covering. Just keep an eye on Raquel Armstead and his continued development throughout the preseason and in these practices. Pay attention a little bit to coach speak. I think that Raquel Armstead has some potential to take over Leonard Fournette's starting position if he shows promise throughout this upcoming year. Definitely somebody that I'm looking at in the third round of Dynasty Drafts. Let's go ahead and skip over the Ravens. They have an extremely, extremely interesting team this year when it comes to potential players. I'm looking at the Ravens in New England as some of my biggest places for picking up talent that is young and shows promise. So Lamar Jackson ended up having a couple excellent passes. His biggest completion came on a wide open pass, obviously, but he's still hitting it. He's showing that he can be a passer. I need to see him up against some starting talent though and I need to see him in that third preseason game before I make a final decision on whether I call him a top 10 quarterback for 2019 but he is right there he went four for six for 59 yards and a touchdown coming up behind him McSorley showed a little bit of promise going nine for 22 on 85 yards and one interception obviously if Lamar Jackson gets hurt and Robert Griffin isn't there Baltimore's in trouble they're going to go straight into just running the ball as much as they can, which makes every single other wide receiver completely irre irrelevant instead of slightly irrelevant with Lamar Jackson behind center at quarterback. Justice Hill is my biggest drafted, as the player that I'm ending up with the most in, in dynasty leagues, and even in standard leagues when it comes to rookies. I'm taking him at the back end, 13th, 14th, you know, flyer rounds. Justin Hill ended up going 10 rushes for 33 yards. 
and two receptions for 16 yards on two targets. I want to see him turn into that Alvin Kamara player that I believe he can be. There's so much speed on the field for the Ravens that the potential breakout for some of these players that are going to be playing the short intermediate routes are going to be huge. Justice Hill is going to be one of them. Gus Edwards ended up playing, got six attempts for 12 yards. Obviously not showing that he can be that player, that go-to player. However, Gus Edwards would probably end up getting that back starting role. But then we got to see the passing down back between Justice Hill and Kenneth Dixon. Dixon did go four rushes for 21 yards and did not catch his lone reception. So that's good news for Justice Hill. Kenneth Dixon needs a huge, huge preseason in order to make sure that he maintains his place on this team. They want to go young. They don't need the veterans on this team to be able to, to feel like they can make it to the Super Bowl. So just keep an eye on the potential of these young players. Wide receiver-wise, we have uh, Miles Boykin. Four receptions, 39 yards, nine targets. Chris Moore, two receptions, 48 yards on two targets. Mark Andrews, two receptions, 11 yards, two targets. And obviously we did not get to see Marquise Brown out there on the field. Um, nothing really too crazy to write home about. I love seeing the amount of targets that Miles Boykin got. I just need to see a better reception percentage. Texans and Packers. It's actually a pretty good game. Came down to the wire. Final score is 26-28. For the Texans, the only quarterback to actually play was Joe Webb. He actually got 40 attempts, so he was 25 for 40. With 286 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Not too bad for a backup quarterback. Wouldn't really ask for more behind Sean Watson. He also had six attempts for 47 yards, being the leading rusher on the Texans. I really wanted to see Crockett in this game for the rushing potential, along with Taiwan Jones and Higdon. Honestly, Higdon outperformed them all, going eight attempts for 37 yards. Then you had Taiwan Jones getting 28 yards on seven attempts, and Crockett getting 24 yards on six attempts and a touchdown. Every single one of these guys put together a solid role. I just don't know if any of them are actually going to see any kind of fantasy relevance without either one of the starting running backs getting hurt. We had a scary moment in the receiver corps when Kiki Kuti went out, but supposedly he's going to be okay. I just hope they hold him out the rest of the preseason because he has shown to be slightly injury prone, and I have Kiki Kuti in a lot of leagues. I just need him to be playing these games. Tyron Johnson ended up leading the Texans in receiving, having two receptions for 48 yards. Outside of that, there's nobody that I'm really looking at on this backup roster to see if they can perform in the wide receiver corps. I think they're pretty much set. Having DeAndre Hopkins, Kiki Kuti, and Will Fuller as their wide receiver core, I'm going to be keeping an eye on one or two of their backups past that, but nobody's really going to be fantasy relevant. But on to Green Bay. John Kaiser came out, was 8 for 13 for 102 yards, one touchdown. Don't know if there's any kind of fantasy relevance behind that. Obviously, it would be a huge, huge hit to the whole entire Green Bay offense if Aaron Rodgers did go down. The one player I was extremely interested in was Dexter Williams. 14 attempts for 62 yards. The guy looked good back there. He is a threat to Aaron Jones towards the tail end of the season. Don't fool yourself, guys. Do not sleep on this rookie. Dexter Williams is a potential starter in the NFL. Keep an eye on him, especially in your dynasty leagues. Jake Kumaro led the receiving core with two receptions on two targets for 27 yards. Outside of that, guys, I don't think we're going to be able to see any kind of real significance. I need to rewatch this game to go over the formations and how they were you know, running certain personnel before I make a decision, but I didn't see any kind of huge fantasy relevance outside of Dexter Williams in this matchup. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next one with the Panthers and the Bears. On the Panthers' side of things, I was keeping an eye on Will Greer and Taylor Henneke, that battle. 
I wanted to see if Will Greer could actually step up and be an NFL-type quarterback, and he showed promise. He was 9 for 16 on 77 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Taylor Hineke, which is the presumed backup, is going to be 4 for 9 for 35 yards. I'm really looking at Will Greer as a potential future starter for Carolina if anything does happen to Cam Newton. When we look into the backfield, Elijah Holyfield, who I'm not a big fan of out of college, really slow 40 time, ended up being 9 attempts on 26 yards, one touchdown. Will Greer did show, by the way, Will Greer did show a ability to escape the pocket, having one rushing attempt for 20 yards. So keep an eye on that, while Taylor Hineke had two attempts for 10. Elijah Holyfield had two receptions for 13 yards and a touchdown. Want to see a little bit more from him before I change my mind. And then Ian Thomas was one reception, 16 yards on two targets, which was the big guy that I was looking at. I need to see him in the third preseason game to see if he can step up and eventually take over for Greg Olson, but keep an eye on him. If we're hopping over to the Bears side, we had Chase Daniel, the presumed backup, being 11 for 13 for 120 yards. Tyler Bray was 8 for 17 for 85 yards. Chase Daniel showed that he can be a starter in the NFL, so if anything does happen to Mitchell Trubisky, which don't forget he does run a lot, if he ends up getting hurt, I don't see that big of a downgrade. It could even be an upgrade to an extent going to Chase Daniel for the wide receivers. Dave Montgomery was 3 for 16 yards on one touchdown, which is awesome to see. Mike Davis did get the start, 3 for 9 yards. Not awesome to see. But along with David Montgomery's contribution to the rushing game, he also added the passing game, having three receptions for 30 yards and three targets. That's extremely impressive and encouraging for people that drafted Montgomery early. I still think that Mike Davis will get the start on week one, but I think Montgomery is going to eat into a significant amount of shares throughout the season. He's only going to go up. On to the Broncos and the Seahawks. I was really looking at Drew Locke in this one. Uh, Drew Locke played okay, showed that he had you know, some consistency issues, let a few balls sail on him. He ended up being 17 for 28, 180 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not too bad for the second game, second preseason game for this rookie. Joe Flacco did start out the game 3 for 4, 19 yards. However, all of those attempts were short attempts. Two of the completions went to the running back. The other one went to Tim Patrick and slot. I mean, this is who Joe Flacco is going to be throughout the entire year. That's why receptions out of the backfield are going to be so huge for these two running backs. But also, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton are going to play huge roles. Possibly Noah Fan as well. I'm really, really nervous about the potential of Cortland Sutton because of the fact that Cortland Sutton's main receptions are downfield, or at least in the intermediate routes. Joe Flacco loves to go short, and it shows it right here in the first official preseason game as a Denver Bronco, obviously following the Hall of Fame game. Receiving-wise, uh, nobody really had more than uh, a couple receptions outside of David Williams. Nothing really to talk about here. We already talked about where the targets are going to go. So like I said, with Noah Fant, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, that's the only thing you need to really keep an eye on. Theo Riddick did get targeted twice, didn't catch any of these balls. Cortland Sutton got targeted once, did not catch that ball. Hopefully we see a slight change throughout the preseason. Rushing-wise, Royce Freeman, three attempts, 49 yards, awesome average per carry. This guy could end up being a beast this year, completely undervalued. Philip Lindsay, four attempts on 10 yards. So obviously they're not using Philip Lindsay in the same way that the last coach regime used him, but that still remains to be seen. And the guy I wanted to keep an eye on, had a horrible night. Muhammad ended up going three attempts for negative four yards. So it looked like it could have just been playing in that Hall of Fame game that made him look so good. If he ends up not performing next week, there's a very strong chance he does not make the roster. Now if we move on to the Seahawks, the funniest thing happened where Paxton Lynch, who if you listen to the show with Adam, 
Adam could not stand. Paxton Lynch ended up going 11 for 15 for 190 or 109 yards and a touchdown. 11 for 15, 109 yards, and a touchdown. What happened in Denver? Maybe that the situation in Denver, they just don't know how to develop quarterbacks. But if Paxton Lynch continues to perform, he could get a contract for another team. Or the Seahawks could end up using him for trade bait. Obviously, they have Geno Smith as a backup as well. So they don't really need that depth behind Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch could end up having another shot in the NFL. We'll see if that happens. Oh, and don't forget, he also had four rushing attempts for 38 yards and a touchdown. Geno Smith underperformed. He was 3-for-9 on 58 yards. He did have three rushes for 21 yards. Um, Rashad Penny actually did get a few carries in this one. Six attempts, 15 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. That's not good. We need to see more from him. He did get a reception for 27 yards on two targets. But once again, we need to see more from him if he continues to, quote-unquote, take the starting position away from Chris Carson. Chris Carson is still the starter in Seattle. Don't fool yourself, guys. Chris Carson is the one to own. Uh, Receiver-wise, DK Metcalf was somebody I was keeping my eye on, along with David Moore. David Moore did not have a reception on his lone target. DK Metcalf had one reception for eight yards on four targets. That's not good. The only person that stood out in the receiving game was Jazz Ferguson. Four receptions on four targets for 54 yards and a touchdown. I need to look more into this guy to see exactly where he's coming from and what his potential is. Moving right along, guys, to this next preseason game with the Chargers and the Cardinals. This is going to be the last one for our Thursday night matchups. We saw Tyrod Taylor, who still has tremendous potential in the NFL, just didn't get to put in a system that really worked for him in Cleveland, and he still didn't do that terrible while he was in Cleveland, but they did have the terrible coaching situation. Tyrod Taylor went 6-for-6 six for six or 72 yards as the starting quarterback. Looked great. Cardell Jones, 4-for-6 four on 47 yards, but the quarterback that actually stood out the most was Easton Stick, the rookie, 7-for-11, 78 yards. He did have the interception. He's a rookie, guys, and he needs time to develop. But Easton Stick has potential to be a starter in this league, especially learning beyond the tutelage of Phillip Rivers and Tyrod Taylor. I'm really excited to see this guy's upside. But the best part of his night actually came on two rushing attempts for 51 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler showed phenomenal out of the backfield, five attempts for 40 yards, along with adding three receptions for 29 yards. However, he had a fumble on the goal line, which is obviously a huge, huge sin. You don't do that. But I think he's going to get the start over Justin Jackson, who had five, uh, five attempts for 22 yards and one touchdown. No attempts out of the backfield reception-wise. Unfortunately for me and the player that I wanted to see the most, was Jeremy Cox. He had uh, one attempt for no yards. I really wanted to see him coming out of the backfield to see what he can do. Let's hope that he gets another chance in the second preseason game. Mike Williams showed to be the same wide receiver he left off with, making a very Mike Williams-esque catch. One reception, 28 yards on one target. And Hunter Henry caught both of his targets for 15 yards. And then Arizona, who's obviously a huge upcoming team, they showed up pretty well. They beat the Chargers which, you know, preseason a big deal, but at least shows there is some potential with this Cliff Kingsbury system. Kyler Murray looked impressive on his first start, having extremely quick releases. He was 6-for-7 for 44 yards, and he showed that he could actually feel the pressure and shift the pocket to make plays. He actually didn't even have a single rushing attempt, which is encouraging to the Arizona Cardinals 
into the long-term health of Kyler Murray. But obviously, being fantasy football, you want to see some of these rushes outside the pocket. Brett Hundley was his backup, 10 for 14, 104 yards and a touchdown. Outside of that, nothing really worth noting in the quarterback department. Chase Edmonds was somebody I was looking at big time. He got the start, but he only had two rushes for four yards. They probably wanted to see what they had in their other players, such as TJ Logan and Wes Hills. TJ Logan ended up having five attempts on 20 yards. Wes Hills had eight attempts, 37 yards, and a touchdown. We'll see who could be a backup to Chase Edmonds. Once again, I don't see any immediate fantasy relevance as of right now. Keyshawn Johnson was a big player that I was keeping an eye on for the Cardinals. He was two for 29 for four off of four targets. Obviously nothing crazy there. Trent Sherfield, which I have to look a little more into, he actually had four receptions on 44 yards and one touchdown on five targets. So that's definitely something to note. Demir Bird, I believe, actually got the start, which I like Demir Bird. He's been not been able to stay healthy or on the field in his time with Carolina. But Demir Bird has a lot of upside. He only had three receptions on uh, he had three receptions on four targets for only 17 yards. But if he gets the opportunity to be that breakout screen type player, there's a lot of upside for that position. Hakeem Butler, one reception on one target for six yards. I don't see him being fantasy relevant in any place, shape, or time. I think he's a wasted draft pick. And I don't see him being even a starting wide receiver in the league, much less a fantasy option. Andy Isabella did not play in this game. He's been a little bit injured, so they kept him out of this game. I hope to get to see him next game. But that's going to wrap it up for the Cardinals. Now on to our two Friday games. Right off the bat, Chris Godwin and Jameis Winston looked like they were on the same page. Jameis Winston ended up throwing 5 for 6 for 40 yards and a touchdown. It shows that he's willing to check down the ball. I'm extremely excited to see Jameis Winston this year. I still see him taking shots. I just see him taking less risks. So I'm extremely, extremely excited to be an owner of Jamin Swinson in a few different leagues. I think he has top 10 upside, and I think his floor is, is 15th quarterback overall. And that's if, in the worst case scenario, but he showed instant chemistry with Chris Godwin. That's gonna be huge for this upcoming year, and huge for Chris Godwin owners that have been holding on to him, hoping for the best. Peyton Barber started. He ended up having three attempts for, for 18 yards on six yard per carry average. Ronald Jones showed that he's still not ready to take over that starting role, having four attempts for 18 yards. Each one of them caught a couple passes. Ronald Jones caught a pass for five yards, and Peyton Barber caught his lone pass for four yards. Andre Ellington had certain plays where you're like, oh, he's back, but he really didn't have any lanes to run through. He was creating all this. His lateral agility and quickness still looks like it did when he was a young player. He only had nine yards on four carries, but don't fool yourself. Andre Ellington could still be an option in the passing game, especially when they're losing in the fourth quarter, he could end up taking over that running back role. He also had one reception for six yards. I'm not saying that Andre Ellington is going to be fantasy relevant. I'm just saying keep an eye out because he might end up stealing targets on certain games where the Bucks could be down, which would end up hurting, obviously, Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones, whatever one you consider the starter. I'm on the Peyton Barber side. Now I'm going to need some help with this name. Ngumbulie Ballet Bawale. I don't know how you say it. Dare ended up having um, the most carries, 10 yards, 34 yards, two touchdowns without contributing to the passing game. The one player that I really need to look into is going to be Spencer Schnell. Seven receptions on nine targets for 119 yards. And then Tanner Hudson, seven receptions, 84 yards on nine targets and a touchdown. I'm going to have some more information on both these for you guys in the upcoming show. So we'll keep an eye on them for the upcoming week. Chris Godwin being the starting wide receiver. 
ended up having two receptions on two targets for 20 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, they game scripted for him. I didn't even see Mike Evans. I don't think he played this game. Rashad Perryman did get targeted twice, had one reception for 11 yards. I don't see Rashad Perryman with much upside, but Justin Watson ended up getting the snaps that I expected him to get, having four receptions for 37 yards and seven targets. Obviously, I need to see more of those targets converted before I become a believer in Watson. Steelers side, Joshua Dobbs almost reminded me a little bit of a RG3 when it came to potential upside. He was 5 for 8 for 85 yards, but also threw in two rushing attempts for 44 yards. One of them was on a sick run where he's just bobbing and weaving all over the field. I, I really want to see more out of this guy. He needs to make sure that he stays healthy and gets down, though, instead of taking those hits. He does need to be the hero when he just had a huge run. Benny Snell was extremely, extremely unimpressive. Kind of lulled me to sleep. 13 attempts on 26 yards. Obviously, that's only 2 yards per carry. Jalen Samuels, who got the start, obviously with James Conner not playing, ended up having two attempts for 21 yards. We'll see what happens with that battle. I think that they find ways to get the ball in Jalen Samuels' hand. He is a dynamic player. Benny Snell, don't forget, also had two receptions on three targets for 25 yards, so that's a little better coming out of the, the backfield. While Jalen Samuels added in one reception on one target for nine yards. Wide receiver the wise. James Washington looked like the superstar out there. Four receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown on five targets. And then Johnny Holton was two receptions for 69 yards on three targets. Nothing really to mention outside of that for the wide receivers on Pittsburgh. And to finish up our last game on Friday night, we had Kirk Cousins coming out looking like he was on fire. Four for four for 65 yards and a touchdown while also rushing and escaping pressure. One attempt for 10 yards. John Mannion, who was the backup for Jared Goff last year, was 7 for 13, 102 yards with one touchdown. Outside of that, nothing really worth mentioning, fantasy-wise. I was actually kind of impressed with Amir Abdullah. He did come in and play at the backups, but he was four attempts, rushing for 63 yards. Showed that he still might have the upside that Detroit just wasn't using him very well. Mike Boone was four attempts for 70 yards and a touchdown, so obviously he showed the big breakout potential. But the player that I was actually really keeping an eye on was Alexander Madison who was the presumed backup for Davin Cook. Ended up having nine attempts for 30 yards. Obviously, that's not good. However, he also had a touchdown in the passing game. It was just a little outlet pass where they did a misdirection. I want to see more from him out of the passing game before I say that he's a bust or must draft. I just need to see him up his consistency and up his efficiency out of the backfield. Adam Thielen. Had an amazing catch. So Adam Thielen does have it, just in case you guys were a little bit worried after the end of last season. Irv Smith, who I really wanted to see a lot out of, actually showed. He was uh, three receptions on seven targets for 21 yards. Obviously, I want to see a bigger catch percentage with that as well. Outside of that, Tyler Conklin is the only one other one worth noting. Two receptions on 56 yards for two with two targets. Switching over to our last team, the Saints. There are very few players that are backups in the league that I believe can be starters. And Teddy Bridgewater is one of them. He showed that he could do it before, before that gruesome, what they thought was career-ending injury. He's fought back, and he ended up putting up a phenomenal game being the starter. 14 for 19, 134 yards, and a touchdown. The reason why I say that's phenomenal is just because of what he's expected to go through and his way to fight back and show that he can still produce. I'm a huge believer in Teddy Bridgewater, and I hope he gets another opportunity. 
to be part of the starters in the NFL because I believe he has the talent to do it, and I'm rooting for him everywhere. Taysom Hill, who is the gadget player for the Saints, ended up showing he could play quarterback too. <laughs> um, 8-14, not great, but he had 80 yards, one touchdown, one interception against the backups. Obviously, he's still going to remain a gadget-type player, but he will. both these players will make the roster for the Saints, and both of them do have some fantasy relevance if Drew Brees gets hurt. But Taysom Hill has fantasy relevance in daily leagues, so always keep an eye on him with the matchups and how they're using him. He also ran the ball six times for 45 yards. If you look at the running back situation, Devon Zigbo actually was somebody that I was keeping an eye on, and he proved me right being three attempts for 20 yards on 6.7 yards per carry. I'm going to keep watching this kid. I believe in him. He also had one reception on one target for nine yards. He could be somebody that steps into Latavius Murray role eventually. So he's worth the pick in the late second to third round dynasty. Latavius Murray showed that he can still perform, actually producing better than Alvin Kamara. Three attempts, 14 yards, with Alvin Kamara doing four attempts on 11 yards, but obviously they're not going to abuse him too much. He also had two receptions for 15 yards on two targets. The player that uh, I was looking at primarily was uh, little Jordan Humphrey, who has two receptions on 42 yards and one touchdown. It's pretty impressive. I'm excited to see this guy throughout the preseason. I would love to see him make the team. Traquan Smith, two receptions, 16 yards on three targets. Outside of that, nobody really worth mentioning, guys. Just to mention a few teams that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, or a few players I'm going to be keeping an eye on tonight. I'm mainly for the Rams, looking at Daryl Henderson and how he's utilized, and Josh Reynolds and how they utilize Josh Reynolds. If one player in the wide receiver corps does get hurt, Josh Reynolds all of a sudden becomes fantasy relevant. With the Raiders, that wide receiver position is completely wide open with Antonio Brown. So I want to see who steps up to fill in those missing roles. Obviously, with the wide receiver or with the running backs, I would love to see Josh Jacobs and how they utilize him. Also, Jalen Richard, are they going to keep him as a passing down back on third downs? So keep an eye on if he sneaks into the games or not. With the Chiefs, I want to see how they utilize the backfield and if they go to a committee approach like Andy Reid was briefly talking about the other day on a XM radio. The Bengals and how their system works out is going to be huge this year. I'm keeping an eye on where they move around Giovanni Bernard, if they put him in the slots, if they are using him in different positions around the field. And then keep an eye on who steps up, John Ross potentially, Erickson, in that Bengals backfield. The Cowboys versus the 49ers. The Cowboys backfield is extremely, extremely interesting for me. Obviously with Zeke being out, they brought back Alfred Morris. They have Mike Weber, Tony Pollard, etc. That backfield is a giant clusterfuck. I want to see if they can split it up, spread it out. My money is going to be on Tony Pollard. I think that guy has every little bit of talent that he needs to make it as a third down back, if not more, in this league. Tony Pollard, I think, is a secret sauce. I want to see if Michael Gallup steps up. He's obviously a huge person of interest for me. And I want to see how they utilize Tavon Austin and see if he finally becomes relevant with Cole Beasley moving on to the Bills. San Francisco side, I want to see how healthy Jim, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is. I want to see how Moser does and how he recovered from his injury. He was a beast last year. I want to see how they end up using G, uh, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, and how they apply Trenton Taylor. There's a lot of fantasy implications that are coming in this game. So keep an eye on that Dallas and San Francisco game. Make sure y'all tune in for that one. I definitely will be. With that being said, guys, appreciate y'all listening to the recap and the potential upside of the 
Saturday night games. And make sure y'all tune in later this week to get a recap of those games, along with our top 10 most impressive players of the preseason week one. Once again, guys, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life. Guess who they just signed that is going to be playing the exact same role as Tree Cohen? Bentley. Bentley, the fucking annoying dog who found all the holes.